Oh, hello, Evil Man listeners. It's so nice to see you once more. Can I get you something to eat or drink? This is Michael here, just stopping by to announce that, yes, the rumors are true, I am recording an album of stand-up comedy, humor, and jokes on two amazing nights this June at Toronto's Comedy Bar. It's going to be Thursday, June 22nd at 9.30 p.m. and Friday, June 23rd at 7 p.m. Both shows are going to be hosted by Evil Men favorite Jackie Pirico and will feature some very special guests that you will not want to miss. Tickets are available at comedybar.ca and in this episode's show notes. Once again, I'm recording a comedy album June 22nd and 23rd. I'd love to see you there and give you something to eat or drink while I'm performing on stage. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of <laughs> the sad Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's a it's my Ghostbusters stinger before the uh, laugh track kicks in and shows the Ghostbusters sitting on a couch in the family living room. <laughs> you you first did that on a episode I want to say like a year and a half ago, and I still yeah. it's never left my head. I know I can't like hum the Ghostbusters song the same way anymore now. Hmm. How you guys doing? Oh. What's up? <laughs> Good. What's up? The last Zencaster episode for a while, hopefully, to accommodate our crazy ass schedules. This is crazy. Yeah. The three of us are such busy men. Yeah, we've been recording over uh, online uh, recently. It reminds me of the the bad old days of COVID. Um, but we yeah. uh, we can't be deterred. We're gonna keep- as an introvert. I was loving lockdown. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Doesn't part of you actually perversely miss lockdown? Oh, you mean I have to eat chips on the couch all day and watch <laughs> movies? Uh, yeah, let me see if I can do that. <laughs> I hate having to wear jeans again. Uh, there's nothing more to- torturous than wearing a jeans. Uh- <laughs> oh, I remember, yeah. Mike, back in lockdown, we had a brouhaha because you weren't I, I think you weren't wearing sweatpants at home. You were wearing jeans at home. Yeah, I couldn't I was, believe it. I was part of a small but uh, important demographic of people who <laughs> did and still do wear <laughs> jeans on the sofa. I, I I wear jeans all the time. I don't take them off and throw them on the floor as soon as I get home. I'm a jeans guy through and through. And Mike, Mike, I couldn't be jeans hmm. it. <laughs> and Mike, you're saying your apartment right now is really hot. There's not a part of you right now that just wants to take those jeans off and just wear your boxers or some well shorts. Are you ready for a reveal right now? Yes. I'm wearing shorts. Jean shorts. Oh, jean shorts. That's still hot on your tukas and your penis. I couldn't tell for a second. I thought you were just showing us like boxer briefs. <laughs> no, these are jean shorts. Can you shorts. guys hold on for two seconds? I'm so sorry. 
No problem. Of course. Oh, looks should like we just, should we pause or should we? Uh, well, I think we should talk about what happened. I showed you guys my jean shorts. Suddenly, Chris had to leave the room. He fled the room almost. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Chris was uncomfortable seeing your the bottom half of your legs. Yeah, I mean they're they're an acquired taste. I will admit. <laughs> do you tan, Mike? I don't. You're not a big tanner, huh? I do. I'm not Danny Tanner. I'm uh or Willie or Tanner George Hamilton. Alf. George Hamilton. I do tan. I go kind of uh, olivey, like my Hungarian. Uh, oh, okay, um, a little bit swarthy. But swarthy, a little bit mysterious. Chris is Mister Swarthy. He's Mister Swarthy. His hairy yeah. body, his sort of olive skin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'm the least swarthy. You're in the middle, and Chris is the most. Is that fair? I think it's more than fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I, swarthy. I You're not swarthy. Do you, with your like one-two punch of English and Irish heritage, mm-hmm. when you are near the sun or if you hear on the news that it's a sunny day, <laughs> do you just go red? Do you sort of- No, Mike. I mean, look, you know, look at me. I, I, I tan. I'm a tanner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom would, would tan, like she would- tan but my dad goes instantly red but i i gotta you know it's kind of a ruddy tan i grant you that but right you know, i i i uh i get a nice tan going it's i'll show you my tan lines next time i see you i'll pull up my pull down my pants and you can <laughs> see you under my underwear strap it's a it's a deal um yeah you're on i and i would like to point out because people listening at home won't know this uh or maybe they will notice because you, you are able to enunciate more this week than in previous weeks. Mm-hmm. You, you're known for having a nice, bushy, but well-kept beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week, you're clean-shaven. Your face looks like a a, a newborn baby's you-know-what. Mm-hmm. Smooth as a baby's, frankly, all parts of a baby. Babies aren't yeah. hairy anywhere. We'll uh, say smooth as a baby's butt, penis, legs, vagina, yep. back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All uh, those parts. Yes, smooth. Yes. Um, well, I filmed uh, an episode of a TV show this week. Shout out, right, Smeaton. And, and um, they wanted you nice. to. They wanted you to. They, hey, they asked me to shave. The part of the character it was necessary for the character that he was clean shaven, right, for a joke. And so I shaved for that, which I'm very always thrilled to do any work like that. Is so fun. Mm-hmm. But yes, mm-hmm. now I'm in the aftermath of now living. Beard free. And yeah. I feel like guys listening who have beards and have shaved have, have had to shave will feel me on this one. It's it's hellish after you shave when you're used to your beard. You're literally like, How the hell did I live like this? Do you look like a you're looking at a stranger in the mirror yes, right now? I literally do. I don't even feel like I have a face. Now, I Chris, feel like I it's was, like it's like I'm a saying- balled up tube sock. <laughs> like I don't know what is fucking going on. Chris, I was saying to James before that it must have been like years, maybe I guess three years since I've seen James with a shaved face. It's yeah. a bit of a shock. I've shaved for two other TV shows maybe in the last eight years. So this is probably the third time I've shaved in, in eight years. Both like I grew, grew the beard back as soon as I could. And you feel right. weak. I feel weak. Oh, I feel totally weak. I feel emasculated. Like a night would just 
put a spear like right through your chest and you would st- stick to the ground and then slowly slide down the spear <laughs> and your blood and guts would be uh, like your gore would be all over the spear handle. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. My question. And, the, and the knight who did that to you uh, would like have the biggest, most robust beard and hair. Yes. <laughs> I feel like how did I... How did I have any confidence at all prior to? No, I know. Like I honestly, I don't always love my mustache, but when I shave it off, you can't even tell that there's a head on my body. It just looks like the sky. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You just go from your chest to your mouth. This reminds me of a funny term or a funny saying I heard the other day, James. Now that you've shaved your face and you don't have a beard, you're raw dogging reality. Interesting. Raw dogging reality. Okay. Well, I tell you. That makes total sense to me. You know what, too? I mean, don't get me wrong. My fiance loves me very much and I'm very lucky, but there is a part of me that wonders, you know, here she sees me with with, uh, no beard and does part of her go like, oh boy, the wedding is sure about this. Yeah. I better not get a disease where I can't grow a beard. I dot 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 don't. <laughs> James, uh, could you wear this false beard for the for when we take our vows? <laughs> now, here's my question: Why doesn't why is Hollywood so nervous to have a nice strong alpha male with a big thick bushy beard on camera? Why do they need you to shave it off and look like a little boy, like a little uh, harmless? Well, first of all, Mike, it's Hollywood North. And second okay. of all, um, in this particular role, the, the joke was that uh, the guy's family doesn't remember him because he shaved his beard. So it was truly uh, part of the deal. Okay. But Mike, I have a, I'm going to turn the tables on you. No, please don't. Why the fuck haven't I ever seen you with a beard? Well, for that to have happened, you would have had to have seen me in my early 20s uh, or in high school where I foolishly experimented with a goatee. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. I can picture you with a thick goatee and a pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't thick, I'll tell you that. It was very wispy and um, spaced out. Uh, No pipe for me. I was a bit of a straight edge kid, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Did but, people yeah. call you Pubes Daddy-O? They're like, hey, Pubes Daddy-O, what's going on on the patio? And I would just burst into tears. Hey. I, I'm looking at your stubble, though, Mike, and it looks like you could grow something. I, I guess, yeah, yeah you're you a heavily stubbled man. But you, you don't have um, hair on the cheeks, I guess. So pretty much a goatee is probably all you could do. I don't got hair on both sets of cheeks, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, a goatee ass. is... Yeah, my ass. <laughs> I, for some reason, could only, like, the stubble comes in strong, and then it just mm. stays for months and months and months. And really? Doesn't fill in in certain areas, but... Uh, I have a beard in my butthole. <laughs> I do, too. I remember and the a first... mustache <laughs> underneath my wang. <laughs> Chris, you know, I remember being, uh, you know, just going through puberty, and I didn't realize my ass got hairy. And then I, yeah. I remember I mooning. <laughs> yeah, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I re- remember mooning my friend Dan. Shout out Dan! And then after I mooned him, he laughed so hard, and I go, "What is so funny?" And he goes, "When the hell did a squirrel crawl up your ass?" <laughs> because I had a hairy ass, and I 
I didn't know. It was like a total revelation to me. Wow. Anyway. At least you learned in a safe space from a, from a good and trusted friend. Yeah. I mean, he was laughing at me. Um, but, it's, you know, it's true. Better, better it's, to learn it from him than, than from the police stranger. or from, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, um, Do you have a hairy ass? It's an important moment when a young man learns that his ass has become hairy. I do have, I mean, a you know, basically reasonably yeah. hairy, run of the mill, but but not. It's not mm. you know crazy. Chris must be fucking hairy. I'd love to take He's, a look. He has stepped the out hair of the room. On his butt. He uh, is, yeah. I think, doing some uh, looking after his daughters Dad, at the moment. Some but. daddy daycare, like Eddie Murphy yes. taught us about. Daddy daycare. Daddy daycare. Um, yeah. Yeah. All I can say is I bet Chris has a hairy ass. Yet again. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you're in the middle yet again with the swarthy meter, the ass hair. Meter. It's very much like it's a Goldilocks sort of scenario that we keep <laughs> returning to. Like this one's too smooth. This one's mm-hmm. too hairy. This one's mm-hmm. just right. You know? What about those legs of yours? They're not hairy, are they? Well, they're hairy up to a point. Uh, and then, I mean, they're hairy in the front and then behind they get suddenly quite smooth but i think that's common with guys with guys like me anyway common do you with have guys hairy back have hair on the front of their legs and no hair on the back yeah like the back is very smooth do you have hair all like an even distribution of hair all yeah. around your leg yeah really? i do that's i don't know maybe maybe it's i don't the- know if i'm the weird one and you are wow <sighs> we gotta get when chris comes back we gotta ask him we gotta get him, get him to show us his legs it might be the unique combination of my irish hungarian and slovak heritage where it results in me having smooth like the back of my legs are smooth i don't know right yeah right you're like two-faced from batman you know <laughs> yes one side well, like one is of- <laughs> hairy and chris is back hey chris oh he's Guess who's back on. chris is back back again yeah. hey chris all good yeah, it's good. Everything's good. Oh, I have a question for you, Chris. My legs are hairy all the way around. Mike said something like, I think men usually have hairy fronts of legs and smooth backs of legs. I just wondering, what's up with your legs? Are they hairy all the way around or are they smooth on the back? Mine personally are hairy all the way around. That's yeah. To me, that's so fucked because mine are smooth on the back. Yeah, I don't think the smooth on the back thing is I don't know that it's common. Well, no offense, Mike. I love it well, on you. We'll have to agree to disagree. Okay. I, but Mike, mm-hmm. if something is um the true for you, <laughs> does that mean then that is now how you think genuinely and generally everything else should be around the world? <sighs> I guess <laughs> I guess in a way you're asking me if I'm a psychopath. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess a little bit. But maybe we all feel that what is normal for us is normal for everyone. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah, that happens. But I deny your accusation that I'm a psychopath. No. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'll write it down. Not a psychopath as I figured previously. Um, Chris, you yeah. were freaked out for the past two days. You've been freaked okay. out. Speaking about psychopaths, oh my God, I was gripped 
by this news story. I'll t- I'll lay it out for you, okay? I showed you guys lay the it video. on us, baby. <laughs> Get ready. So, eighteen-year-old dude, graduation cruise. This happened just now. A video is circulating. Okay, eighteen-year-olds cruise at the Bahamas graduation celebration cruise. Everybody's partying. Everybody's drunk. Teens drunk on the cruise. Eighteen-year-old dude, baseball star, just graduated. His friend goes. They're they're partying in the middle of the ocean on a cruise. At pitch black night, except obviously the cruise ship has lights on, you know. A friend of his dares him, hey, jump into the ocean off the cruise ship. All right. And how is is it one of those like 15, 20 story cruise ships kind of things or like? I think it's more like a booze cruisy type of thing. Like it's shaped like a pirate ship. Oh, That's right, what right, I've right. heard. Okay. It's still like a giant ship that can't just stop. And turn around easily, and right. it's a it's a booze cruise. But yeah, they're out in the middle of the ocean by the Bahamas. They're not like in a harbor or anything. And the drunk guy, baseball star, just graduated. L- people love him. Gregarious guy, I guess. In his mind, goes, "Watch this!" Jumps, does the jump. Now this is where the video starts. A video has been passed around Twitter like crazy. It's been on TMZ, in the news. Someone videotaped him in the water. Everybody's yelling like, dude. Like one of his friends is like, bye, dude. Another guy is like, dude's fucking crazy. Is he a ninja turtle? Yeah. (laughs) Michelangelo was his friend. And then girls are, some girls are screaming. There's a shape in the water where some have paused the video and, claim that that's a shark like right beside him um but anyways the video is so haunting because uh uh you see him swimming there they throw a buoy at him but the way that the boat is going so fast and the ocean is obviously so rough the boy is nowhere near him and you see like within seconds the boy has drifted way far away down the edge of the boat and that's it out of sight you know so anyways four days go by of searching coast guard yesterday on the fourth day calls off the search that's it for a prank for a you know for a a dare dude jumped off a cruise and is gone and you can see his last moments treading water beside the boat on video with people screaming at him Yikes. Uh, they'll this find is, him, eh? <laughs> and this is... Uh, why does this upset you? No, just kidding. It is very upsetting. Well, because Chris, your graduation is coming up. And uh, <laughs> and I think like that. I'll jump off this. <laughs> well, this makes those JFL gags seem like child's play in in comparison. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's so frightening because... All of us, especially as teens, when we've been drunk, we've been there in our mind. Like, I'm going to do something stupid, and everyone's going to freak, and it'll be awesome. And it'll impress the girls, and then instead, 
Um, Impresses the Grim Reaper. Impresses the Grim Reaper. (laughs) His last thought was like, check this out. Dead. How many people like said in their head, check this out right before they fucking died. It's so crazy. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) You know, no offense to the newly grieving family of this person like that's so sad yes. but it's like yes. literally uh the fact that a dumb dare can just go wrong and you can never come back from that and that's it for you is so freaky to me it's really a shame that uh canadian musical legend gordon lightfoot just died because he had a knack for writing songs about boating accidents yeah and he could have really gone to town on written a song about this young man who jumped off of a, a party ship uh, there on a was a man on a party <laughs> ship and he liked to play baseball. <laughs> but he'd impress the young ladies aboard and he never was heard from again. <laughs> Chris Locke watched the video on the internet and it gave him a mental breakdown. <laughs> I am having a mental breakdown, to be honest. Mike was defensive that he's not a psycho, but... I never said I'm not a psycho. What? Do you guys want to know a a crazy thing that happened to me on the weekend? Yes, please. You shaved your ass. (laughs) I wish. I'll I'll preface this by saying my cat Cupcake is fine. She's completely fine. So no trigger warnings. Don't worry. Now the alarm bells are going off off in my mind. Cruise ships. Yeah. Well, my cat basically did the same thing as that kid on Saturday night. You know, Ebony and I were watching a movie and, you know, we stayed up late because it's Saturday night and we're going to bed. And then Mm -hmm. it was quite late because, you know, we were having fun. And what movie did you watch? Just to set the. um, Gangs of New York. Wow. Long one. Yeah. It's not as bad to me as people say it is. No, it was good. There's some good stuff in that. It was fun. Anyway, in bed, she's like, wait a second. Where's Cupcake the cat? Because we were, uh, and we're up on the fourth floor and there's a balcony and. It was kind of below is like a garden of the sort of first floor apartments. And anyway, we look all around the apartment. Where the hell is Cupcake? Eventually, she hears a meow down below. I'm like, fuck. So it's like 2.30 in the morning. I go downstairs. I have to kind of – it's the first floor apartments, their yards – um, go up against kind of a driveway of another building with a big wooden wall. So it's very difficult to peer in. I had to kind of crawl, like uh, tiptoe along like a banister, baby, basically. To, like a thief. Yeah, like a thief at 2 like 30 in the burglar. morning to literally <laughs> to peer into this garden. There's fucking cupcake. Meow, meow. She's fine. I see her walking around. She fell, I guess, off our f- four stories. <laughs> So then I'm like, what the hell do I do? I can't knock at these people's door and wake them up at 2.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I had to jump the fence in the dark and it was high. And I sort of jump up. I make a big clanging sound as I land. I'm so worried they're going to like, I mean, I literally thought, I I mean, not to be a smug Canadian, but I was like, I'm glad I'm not in the States because someone could have a goddamn gun and kill me right now. Right. And were you all lit up by like white wine also? (laughs) Yeah, were you high and drunk? Yeah, probably. So 
then the cupcakes over in, at the other side of the of the garden of this sort of lawn or uh, backyard. So I walk across to get her, and then the security light turns on. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Identify yourself. Yeah, but nobody saw, nobody came out. I grabbed Cupcake, I handed her to Ebony over the fence, and then I hopped the fence. But it was like, really, I mean, of course I was worried about the cat, but also I was like, it's the worst feeling when you're jumping into someone's yard at 2.30 in the morning. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh God, what an interaction that would be if they opened the door. And you also did this with a newly clean shaven face. (laughs) Clean shaven face, and I was wearing a balaclava, and I had a knife. <laughs> so smooth faced man, put your hands up. <laughs> yeah. Can you wow, that's that? a nightmare. But yeah, it sucked. Cat is okay. Cupcake is doing well. Cupcake was fine. We brought her up, and she immediately is like, "Oh, nothing happened." So she the cats literally just land on their feet, and they're. I guess, okay. and she's old and not right. spry at all, but she somehow was completely fine. And has one eye. I'm so eye. glad she's okay. She has one eye. Yeah, yeah she has yeah. one eye. Have you guys ever had cats drop far distances? <sighs> my friend Kristen. Well, I, my I actually have had, years ago, I had another cat do the same thing off four stories and was also fine. Really? Weird. Yeah. You're like that guy They're in tra- the staircase. Your cats are trying to get away from you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, two of his oh. wives uh, coincidentally died by falling down the stairs. Hmm, interesting. An well, owl pushed yeah. my cat off the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny because if an, you're saying Cupcake is an old cat, yeah. which is fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas if an old lady fell off the fourth right. floor Right, she would have had a much harder go of it. She, she would have had a much harder go. <laughs> Cats are like a fine wine. They get better with age. Old ladies are like pumpkins. <laughs> 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 uh, she's fine. It was a traumatic uh, evening. That's um, why I like those old ladies. <laughs> I get older and they get are way older than me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on, let's have a word from our partner, Athletic Greens. I take AG1 in the morning before starting my day and it makes me feel really good. It really improves my energy. Yeah, me too. I've been taking it every morning with a glass of water before uh, having toast and eggs and anything. And uh, I've noticed a lot in uh, a lot of difference in digestion and uh, metabolism speeding up, maybe, and uh, overall energy. Yeah, I'm into athletic greens. I got to tell you. Yeah, they sent us uh, AG1 to try out. And I genuinely 100% actually really do like it. Yeah, it's helped my digestion too. Feels good getting all your vitamins and minerals at once. It's like complicated if you want to try to take a bunch of different supplements. This all comes together. And that's it's really nice to just have one scoop of powder in water once a day. Boom. There's all the stuff you need. Yeah. Honestly, me got big, dumb brain. And it feels like my brain is coated with uh, big hunks of cheese and bacon fat a lot of the times. Yeah. And since I've been taking Athletic Greens regularly, it feels like it's chipped away at that and given my brainal uh, lobes more breathing space, like energy. Does that make sense? Yes. It's a nice way to make yourself healthier without having to do a lot. Here's a package. 
mix it in some water and you're doing good stuff to your body. Yeah. So yeah, I really have enjoyed getting AG1. I'm going to keep getting it. I really like it. And uh, Chris, it sounds like you do too, my friend. I say yes to Athletic Greens. If you are looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash evilmen. That's athleticgreens.com slash evilmen. Check it out. Guys, before we get to our evil man this week, which should be delectable, I want to talk about something. It's called Patreon. Patreon.com. And if you go to patreon.com slash evil men, you'll find um, a page where you can pay a bit of money. You seem a little unsure of what you'll find there. Well, I'm trying to keep it interesting. You'll find a page where you can give us a little bit of money every month, and then you get a couple of bonus episodes every month. You get access to our Discord where you can chat with us and give us topic suggestions and weird, way cooler whatevers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also really appreciate it. It helps us uh, put so much work into it because we appreciate it so much. So check it out if you can. Patreon.com slash evil men. If you already do it, thank you so much. And... Uh, Maybe you could rate us and review us also. And also, before we move on, I just wanted to give a shout out to um, a guy on our Discord who goes by the name Internet User, who's really funny on there and posts a lot on our Discord. And he's in Nova Scotia, and he's like, all these fires are happening around him, and it seems really scary. So we wanted to, uh, you know, say we're thinking of you, Internet User, and I hope you're doing okay. It seems really scary out there. And everyone in Nova Scotia. And if you want to prevent forest fires in your area, you are strongly encouraged to, yes, sign up and donate to us on Patreon. There's a bunch of um, forest fires in Alberta too, right? Yeah, they're one of the lowest oh, okay. Patreon subscribing provinces. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, just yeah, checking. No, I think we have, we have at least one person on the Discord from Alberta, so we hope you're okay too. Yeah. <laughs> Beep beep. (laughs) Beep beep. (laughs) Christopher, you sexy man. You sexy motherfucker. (laughs) Who did you uh, pick for your uh, subject this week? I picked a real person, Fatty Arbuckle. Oh, mm. father of a lot of people don't know much about him, but he is like the god of slapstick silent comedy, basically. But his uh, his uh, reign was tarnished, uh, and uh, he was too I'll get funny, to that. right? Is that what happened? That, he was too funny, and they said, "Stop it!" Yep, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd. They hated how much he was making everyone laugh. <laughs> uh, no, no. It's quite complicated, this tale. But uh, I, uh, I'm i a mega fan of uh, old school vaudeville and slapstick comedy and silent film com- comedians, as you guys I may have mentioned before. So I've heard this story a lot about Fatty Arbuckle. I even have a ton of DVDs with with his movies on them and stuff. 
And uh, yeah, so I'll just start talking about Fatty. I'm just Googling um, Fatty, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looks like Rob Ford. A mix of Rob Ford and Babe Ruth. He's a he's a big portly man uh, mm. and with a baby face, a big smile and a baby face. And he was genuinely extremely talented and uh, funny. You kind of want to st- stick a bottle of milk in his mouth because he's he is just looks like a big baby. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like when Rob Ford was mayor, we saw him sucking off of big bottles of milk like, <laughs> in Parliament <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> or in the not Parliament, but what's that Queen's Park place called? Uh, City Council. City Council. Okay, yeah. here we go. So Fatty Arbuckle, that's not his real name, of course. His real name is Fathaniel. <laughs> okay. Um, Roscoe Conkling Arbuckle was born on March 24th, 1887 in Smith Center, Kansas, to William Goodrich Arbuckle and Mary Gordon. <clears throat> they then moved to Santa Ana, California. He was one of nine children. He was born between 14 to 16 pounds. So he's always been a big boy. That's a okay? big baby. Poor mama. Yes, actually. Good point, James. Uh, this plays into the story. His birth was hard on his mother and caused problems within her that ultimately led to her death. His mm. father would blame Roscoe for her death um, throughout his childhood. Uh, you know how you you always blame babies for things? Yes. And I'm just going to interrupt, Mike, you're on mute. I don't know if you know you're on mute, but you are still on mute. Mike, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? There we, we can. Uh, Chris, I was going to say that um, it seems like Fatty Arbuckle from the beginning of his life was always causing problems in a certain area of, uh, of a woman's uh, being. That's right. Let's just say he blasted onto the scene from day one. Okay. <laughs> That's the story of Fatty Arbuckle is more compl- complicated than you guys think, though. So, so bu- Fatty Arbuckle in, because <laughs> here we go. His father also resented him because he suspected he was an illegitimate child because everyone else in the family were small and thin. Really? A fat man had sex with my wife. There's no other way to explain it. <laughs> he just goes around punching fat men all over town. <laughs> Um, he was shunned and abused by his father and mocked and bullied by his fellow classmates at school for his weight. That sucks, eh? That's people awful. were yeah. yeah, people were mean to the little big guy. This is when he also got the nickname Fatty. And he already mm. had it at that early age. And he <laughs> never a liked tough it. Nickname. He never liked it, to be honest. Mm. Call me Roscoe, but nope, he was fatty since uh the early years. If my kid called another kid fatty, I would say, hey, don't you call that kid that name. This is where a different are the parents era. of these other kids? This is yeah. the era where, like, as soon as children were born, adults expected them to know everything or they treated them like shit. <laughs> it was a very different parenting style back then. And mm-hmm. when kids were cruel to other kids, adults would go, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the smartest time in the world, I don't think. If no. he was around today, his nickname kindest, would be, I should say. 
His nickname today would be Equal Arbuckle. <laughs> because he's our equal? Well, everyone's equal. Yeah. Everyone's equal. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I would call him Fataniel. <laughs> um, so he well, what about, f- you know, full bodied Arbuckle? Yeah. Thick Arbuckle. John Arbuckle. I love my curvy Arbuckle. Yes. <laughs> That'd be a great bumper sticker <laughs> that, yeah. that five people in each city in the world would understand. <laughs> yeah. And one in Alberta. <laughs> he he um, might have been on a like a Dove commercial or something if he was alive now. Oh, yes. God. Yeah. 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 I'm trying. I'm holding my tongue here. <laughs> um so yeah, because of being bullied and called fatty and um, by people like you guys, um, <laughs> just joking, he became shy and introverted and depended on food for comfort. Now, I've been there. Sometimes when I look out my window and see that life is hard, I order an Indian roti from one of the amazing <laughs> restaurants we have here in Toronto. Imagine so how I've you would have there. reacted, Chris, or how... Fatty would find solace in watching stage shows when he was a kid. He'd skip school and go down and watch every day. One day he was asked to fill in for a kid who's just stopped showing up. He goes up, they paint him in blackface, because that's what the... Uh, it's also that time in history where they were cruel and they would only have white people playing uh, black characters in blackface. So... They painted him in blackface, and then he started crying because they asked him to go home and get black socks. And he said if he goes home, his parents will know he's skipping school, and they'll beat him or whatever. And so they're like, don't worry, and they use the black face paint to paint up his feet, too. And so then he realized he was addicted to the spotlight after that. He loved making people laugh. He loved performing, whether singing, dancing, clowning, acrobatics. Uh, Roscoe was surprisingly very good at all of it and very agile and athletic for a guy his size. So, so picture kind of like, uh, he's got like a Chris Farley thing going. He's so he like was doing tumbles and gags. And so Roscoe's mother actually died in 1898 when he was 12 years old and his father wanted nothing more to do with him after that. So he just hit the streets little, uh, uh, vagabond. He started working in a hotel and uh, he was singing one night and someone suggested he try out an amateur night at a local theater. So and like an open mic. Yeah. Kind of just go day. up on stage there. Yeah. And he was singing some like tunes he thought of and uh, apparently he wasn't doing well singing the songs he chose and back then they had the classic hook that would come out from the side of the stage and <laughs> yank off an act that was bombing you know. And so he saw the hook, the giant hook coming to get him off, but he dodged it, did a somersault, and landed in the orchestra pit. And the audience loved this. He made everyone laugh like crazy. So he actually got to go back to the theater for more appearances after that. I'm surprised that the hook was real. I just yeah, thought that really was something was from real. Bugs Bunny. I know, I know, but it was real at the time. The Pretty person- uh, cruel, eh? The person holding the hook must have had very strong arms. That's a long. And was it like a oh, did the yeah. hook have like a very sharp point that would like impale you <laughs> as it pulled you off stage? Because that'd be very scary. Like it'd be barbed, like if you're catching a fish, like the illegal <sighs> fish hooks that you can't get out yeah. once you yes. get it in. 
Yeah, they would hook you and then hang you in a meat locker. <laughs> <laughs> um, he got a job at the Padages Theater and in 1906 started touring the country in a vaudeville show as one of the main attractions. So he's moving wow. fast. He's uh, well-loved and uh, charming and yeah. These- so was his, was his act at this point just falling into the orchestra every night? <laughs> I think it was. I think he's, yeah. I think he became like a sort of, all like a, all the classic comedians back then would both sing and tumble and do all kinds of physical comedy at the same time as well. Right. Um, so it wasn't like Mark Marin. No, I didn't think he sat on the stool and uh, grumbled about uh, how terrible life is. And uh, then maybe on his deathbed, perhaps being like, is that all I did? Anyways, um, <laughs> no. Uh, in 1908, Arbuckle met and married his first wife, a singer on the circuit named Mint Duffy. By 1909, he made his debut on the silver screen in a short called Ben's Kid. Uh, he quickly moved on to Max Sennett's Keystone Studios, and this is where his career really starts taking off. So I heard this uh, one story um, that, like, Max Sennett, I feel like if anybody knows any kind of thing about comedy they know that max Sennett is like was the lord of comedy at the time because uh as soon as like comedy shorts started happening like films he made the keystone cops which was like a big thing like basically every big comedian and little comedian got their start playing a keystone cop which were like bumbling idiot fool cops uh <laughs> chaplin did it keaton fatty arbuckle obviously and rumor had it that uh, pretty insulting to the those that protect us every day thing. and risk their lives and it, the one thing pr- protecting us from disorder, you know. It was pretty offensive, yeah. But this was back when you know woke the woke, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Had, being woke hadn't ruined silent comedy, slapstick comedies. Yeah, when was this? The twenties. This is like 1909. Oh, that That's was so a woke ass time. The birth the of the birth of film comedy was like built on these films about how cops are so stupid. <laughs> yeah, literally the funniest time. The funniest thing ever is the people who are supposedly in power look like fools. And now we've got the right wing being like, hey, leave them alone. <laughs> They're actually not fools. And they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't do the they yeah. wouldn't do those things that the Keystone Cop shorts uh, pretend they do. I love <laughs> cops and want them to pet me every day. <laughs> Max Sennett, yeah, I said he's basically the king of comedy. Um so yeah, so Max Sennett, he saw Max Sennett like talking to Mabel Norman on a staircase. This is what I heard uh <laughs> in a rumor. Um and he was that's the thing. Okay. Well, I'll get to it later. But anyways, he did like somersaults down the stairs in front of them a bunch of times and that impressed them. And Max Sennett started laughing and be like, hey, I could, with your weight and size, I could, you would look really funny as a Keystone cop. So that's how he got involved in that. Then, of course, he was really popular. He stood out. Fatty Arbuckle. Uh, yeah, he showed off his slapstick skills in these films. And he also started co-starring with uh, Mabel Normand, who I mentioned earlier, in, who was a silent era actress who's pretty popular at her time. I'm imagining uh, Fatty getting home at night, pulling down his pants, peeling his 
underwear off his naked body mm-hmm. and the bruises this fucker must have had on his <laughs> oh, bum, yeah. on his thighs. Oh my gosh, he's falling down the stairs all day. Imagine okay. his bum. Yeah, imagine Sometimes he pulls pull his pants bum. off. Okay, you know what they called him? Uh, sometimes because of his bum, you know what they called him? What? Farty. Oh. Farty Arbuckle. It just gets worse and worse. Do you understand? It's like the Joker origin story. You hate what he did, but you you know, you know also see that he was tormented. Can I just say, mm. imagine anyone in the cast of Brooklyn Nine-Nine doing, uh, you know, somersaults or falling into an orchestra pit. Imagine, imagine Andy Samberg risking his, his butt for I could see laughs. Terry Crews doing it because he's pretty buff. Okay. Back then, comedians didn't have, like, pads to land on, basically. They literally broke their bodies for a laugh. Um, and I salute them. Yeah, uh, I'm doing that on stage whenever I do stand-up, basically, yeah, metaphorically. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm verbally falling down flights of stairs for my audience every night. Yeah. In 1913, they made a movie, uh, Mabel Norman and him made a movie together called Noise from the Deep. They made history when Arbuckle became the first person to get pied in the face in a movie. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. The also, that was pie. one of his skills. Like, that's what made him so popular, too, was one of his skills was... He could throw a pie with pitch perfect accuracy into somebody's face from a long distance. Wow. So like, yeah. He was he was the lord of the slapstick comedians at this time. By nineteen fourteen, Fatty was a bona fide draw to the theater and, and star and was hmm. directing his own shorts now. Fatty also gave breaks to some of the biggest stars of that era. He uh he appeared in shorts with Charlie Chaplin, uh some people claim he even pick, helped pick out Chaplin's tramp costume for a film, which obviously became his staple in his mega famous career. In The Gold Rush, by the Chaplin silent film in 1925, if you've seen that, the famous making two buns dance on forks yeah. scene that Chaplin does. Uh, Fatty did that gag first in a short called The Rough House in 1917. Chaplin Damn. was a joke stealer. Yo, man. But maybe he was paying homage. Who knows? But there you go. It's like when Joe Cocker covered with a little help from my friends by the Beatles. You know what I mean? He put his own unique spin on it. Yeah. And he was sticking to a pair of buns on forks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that yeah. tradition like still lives on. Like, Mike, I- I've seen you do that regularly. You were telling me on your on your first date with Suze you were you were doing that. Yes, that's how I won her heart. I did the Fatty Arbuckle Chaplin uh, bun dance thing. While yeah, Mike, you hit- still haven't yeah. spoken. What were you say? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. I was also wearing a little Hitler mustache at the same time. Yeah. 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 Oh, right. So, yeah, let's get back to a real pioneer here. Fatty <laughs> was also producing and directing his own shorts with his hilarious cousin, Al St. John, and future comedian uh, comedy legend Buster Keaton. Now, guys, aside from this episode, I have two DVDs of the Buster Keaton, Al St. John, Fatty Arbuckle comedy shorts, and I've watched them a million times. They're genuinely amazing. Um, the three of them are so funny, and the gags are so original, and uh, they put all their uh, blood, sweat, and tears into each short. They're really excellent. Next time, uh, I'm also a big person, fan of. Uh, I should watch. Uh, pardon? 
I'd love to see next time yeah. I go to your house. There's some great ones. I'm also a big fan of Buster Keaton. Uh, and I was rereading a chapter in his autobiography called My Wonderful World of Slapstick, which uh, was published in 1960. He uh, co-wrote it with uh, an author named Charles uh, Samuels. Um, and uh, I reread the chapter where he talks about the incident that we're going to get to. And uh, I decided to put some of like Keaton's quotes into this presentation as well, which uh, I think you guys might find pretty interesting. Nice. Okay. So yeah, so those shorts are amazing. Like I said, this is an excellent time for slacks, slapstick comedy. Um, and Keaton is not doing his stone face bit in these comedies too, which, which I love because you see him emoting, laughing it up, having a great time. So it's pre Keaton uh, taking off as the stone face, like physical comedy God that we, we know of him now. Uh, they were all great friends as well, and Keaton remained a good friend with Arbuckle uh, for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, so I'm a huge slapstick silent film comedy fan, by the way. It's just a little biased to this presentation. In his <laughs> personal life at this time, he was drinking heavily, a habit he picked up doing touring in the vaudeville circuit. and Also, he claimed it helped him deal with some of these back injuries as we were joking around earlier. Like these guys are literally like falling off of roofs and getting kicked by horses and shit. Someone's not listening to Huberman's lab. He's drinking. (laughs) That's right. He should, instead of drinking, he should have gotten up early and looked at the sun for three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't didn't Fatty do that? (laughs) Didn't Buster Keaton literally like break his neck in that film, the the train one, the... The, he's like running on top of the train. The general. The general. He didn't know for years, I heard. That's uh Yeah. Oh, dedication. Did I bring my neck? He had a like a, how do I can't do it. He had a real like New York accent. <laughs> oh, I broke my neck. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> but he had a deep voice too. He's like, man. It, I'll get to that later because Fatty Arbuckle, ah, I'll get to it later. I don't know about that. Um... He broke everything, I think. I think Buster Keaton broke everything at least twice. Um, so, yeah, remember, yeah, these guys would fall downstairs and fall off rooftops every day, and they didn't have crash pads or, like, knee pads or anything back then, basically. Uh, I think maybe knee pads, but that's about it. His marriage to Mint was not doing so hot at this time. Can't believe her uh, name is Mint. Fatty and Mint? It's It was a great time to be all <laughs> Fatty, to be are you going to pop Mint in your mouth? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah maybe would he would come to- up to her and like rub you know and beat when they're getting horny and be like mm, i think i need a mint <laughs> these days the equivalent would be like if our wives names uh name was nerds because <laughs> that's a candy you know what I mean? right, yeah twix <laughs> this is my wife twix <laughs> twix lock Twix sounds like a replicant from Blade Runner or something. <laughs> um, Fatty had an infection at one point, which could have led to him having his leg amputated. This scared the crap out of him, and he tried to clean up his drinking and lose weight. But his leg was uh, saved after all. But during that brief time when they had to, uh, they had to work on it, he uh, uh, got a brief morphine addiction hmm. so he had a morphine addiction now um i just saw a sign pop I, up i think to- i've mentioned uh, that i i had morphine once in the hospital i, yeah. went, I didn't ask for it and it was like whoo i get why people get addicted james you're great. like a modern day fatty arbuckle mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I would love to get addicted to morphine for a while. Right. Kind of classy. Get famous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, in his professional life though, everything was still rocking, and in 1917 he founded his own film company called Kamek, uh, where he had creative control over his shorts. However, he relinquished control over his studio to Buster Keaton the next year when Paramount Adolf Zucker, anybody, offered him an unprecedented $1 million per year to make films. That's a that fact must have been paycheck. like I think it's like million dollars now. I think it's like $13 million now or something like that. Yeah. Did I say, what's his name? Adolf Zucker. I think that's the Paramount guy at the time. You you read about him in all the golden era. Um, Yeah, it's Adolf Zucker. Do you guys ever read the golden era, golden age movie books and stuff? Anyways. No. I have. So yeah, he's a big fan. He offers him one million, which is the equivalent of like thirteen million now. He's basically the biggest film star ever at this point because remember the film industry is still still new ish, and he's dominating. So now Roscoe was making an incredible amount of money, but his workload was also insane. He was making multiple movies at once, and was obviously getting burnt out. It was a lot. So at this time, San Francisco was kind of like a playground for Hollywood. It was just far enough away that the celebs could go up there, whoop it up, party their ass off, and no one in Hollywood would hear anything. You know what I mean? hmm So in 1921, Fatty planned a three-day trip to San Francisco with his friend, director Fred Fishbach. Uh, Fishy. Fishbach. <clears throat> Fatty thought about canceling this trip, though, because he hurt his ass pretty bad recently. Speaking of... <laughs> Really? Like these guys genuinely, yeah, J- James. These guys did genuinely hurt their ass quite often. Uh, but this is a different way. It wasn't just from falling off a roof or uh, getting hit with a broomstick. Rumor has it he was waiting for his car. He had like this beautiful Rolls Royce. Uh, his car to be fixed. And he sat down on a rag with acid on it in the <laughs> what? and the rag burnt his butt cheeks. That's not a cool injury. It's like a gag in a in a silent film. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, is this like, fucking true? You just silently see a guy be like, ah, and then the caption is like, oh no, I have sat on some acid. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he got acid burned butt cheeks. Yeah, and he like flew into the sky and went ow 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 ow. <laughs> um. But yeah, Fishbach still persuaded him, man, you got to take this trip. Come on. So those two, plus actor uh, Louis Sherman, uh, Lau Sherman, jumped into Fatty's Pierce Arrow car. That's an old school car. I don't know if you guys have heard of it before. And headed to San Francisco. They booked three lavish suites in the big St. Francis Hotel. And uh, Prohibition was still on at that point, but booze was not hard to find, especially if you were a celeb and, and also especially if you were millionaire superstar uh, Fatty Arbuckle. He immediately ordered tons of uh, crates of gin and whiskey as a gift to the party as it got started. Now, I also want to say I forgot to I, I forgot something early on. When he started making money in the theater as a bullied kid, he would go home and bully, um, give the money to his family, right? I, I heard this on a podcast a while ago. We give the money to the family and they all of a sudden were like loving him. Like they were mad. They weren't mad that he was skipping school. They were loving that he was coming home with this money instead. Right. So 
the podcaster that I was listening to at the time mentioned that this was a key that for Fatty that he understood like, oh, being generous and giving people money makes everybody happy with me. No one's calling me a fucking piece of shit all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. his personality known in Hollywood, honestly, 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 no bias, was like he was the kindest, sweetest, gentlest man and hmm. very gregarious, would very like giving man. So he liked to throw parties, liked to supply the booze, liked to supply trays of food at these big parties. And in the films, his character was also like a sweet baby-faced kind of man-child fool, but everybody still loved him. He was, his, he, his, his films weren't dark. A whole family could enjoy them. So he's got a really sweet reputation, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, there so there's he's a little bit cute. more cute he's fatty arbuckle he's yeah. sweet everyone loves him he's the best so september 5th 1921 the party is going nuts um there's a uh, room 1220 so i mentioned they had the three suites room 1220 <laughs> was the designated party room while the adjoining rooms 1219 and 1221 were the sleeping quarters for fatty and his and his friends one of the guests of the party was 26-year-old, although, okay. Now, this is, this is interesting about this podcast because this freaking story is so told differently in every... I've been reading about this story because I've been a fan of this for like 20 years. This, like the silent slapstick stuff and vaudeville. I've read this story uh, probably like 20 times and it's like... It changes and it's everybody's perspective is different. It's basically like Rashomon. You know what I mean? It's freaking crazy. So the, the, the guest is described as 26 year old, although her age was up for debate. Some say she was 30 by this time, but she fudged her age because she was, you know, trying to make it as an actor in Hollywood. She only did a few bit parts and stuff. I don't know. To me, it's not relevant, but I've heard that her age, she lied about her age. So it's weird to just say she's 26. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, she's small-time actress and entrepreneur Virginia Rappé. Virginia came with publicist Alfred Semnocker and another woman named Maud Delmont. Now, a side note, I've read a few times that Rappé was, just to lighten it up for a sec, she was drinking a bunch of orange blossoms at this party. And that's a cocktail of gin, orange juice, and sweet vermouth. Sounds extremely delicious and extremely 1920s, doesn't it? <laughs> getting drunk on orange juice and sweet vermouth and gin orange blossom yeah i never heard of that one but yum yum know. if i ever Sounds make good. it to san francisco that's what i'll be doing we'll make it at one point during the party rape went into the bathroom in twelve nineteen to use the bathroom and uh which was fatty's room and fatty followed her in there shortly after they were in there together for an undetermined amount of time like i said it's Fucking everybody tells a different story. Some say 10 minutes, others say an hour. At some point, party goers went into the room and found Virginia on the bed looking deathly ill and holding her abdomen and complaining of a deadly shooting pain. A doctor arrived, but he claimed she just had too much to drink and then gave her morphine to shut her up and moved her to another room to sleep it off. There's a lot of things in this tale that remind us of the exact time that this happened. You know what I mean? The era of mm-hmm. a lot about people. The next day, Fatty Arbuckle checked out of the hotel and went back to Hollywood. Innocently enough, he was not fleeing anything. It was just parties over and that's it. They were going home. 
Weirdly enough, though, Rappé was still feeling ill, but didn't check into a hospital. Apparently, she was kept in the hotel for a few more days on a diet of morphine. When her conditions kept getting worse, she was finally checked into a hospital, but by then, it was too late. Virginia Rappé died on September 9th of peritonitis, an acute infection that was caused by a ruptured bladder. This, of course, raised the question... What exactly caused her bladder to rupture, right? Right away, Arbuckle is now suspected of being involved in her death. This was mainly due to Repe's companion, Maud Delmont. She was telling everyone that Fatty had sexually assaulted Repe and caused her bladder to rupture under the weight of his enormous Oh, body. God. But may I make another aside personal? I just want to say a quick shout out to rotund people. <laughs> I've been there. Lord knows I've gone up quite a few pounds in the past. I know you have healthy sex lives, so let's not all get in a tizzy just yet. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Especially for you, Jay. I said that for you, James. <laughs> you, you've known to swan dive onto your love and on the bed, yeah. right? And with your yeah. belly hanging out. Yeah, let's not jump to any conclusions. Maud, well, let's not, especially because Maud Delmont had a history, a known history of fraud, extortion, and blackmail on her record. But mm. in this moment, she was busy taking her time, getting everyone riled up and convinced it was Fatty. So San Francisco police mm. arrest Fatty Arbuckle. Now, I just want to say, this is what I, I've already said this, but it is true. This is the Rashomon of all Hollywood Hollywood crime tales, if I've ever heard. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Rashomon is, it's a classic, classic film by Akira Kurosawa starring Toshiro Mifune about a bunch of different samurais who like, are, are taken to uh, explain what happened to a woman in the woods and every single person's story is different, right? Mike, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. It's something like something happens to a woman in the woods, right? And they all have like a completely different perspective on and story of how it happened. Yeah. And so many uh, TV shows have used that um, style of telling a story where it's like everyone has their own POV on what happened. Yes. Yeah. 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 What really happened was, to be honest, I acted in an episode of Odd Squad that was like their Rashomon (laughs) episode. (laughs) So, um, this Fatty Arbuckle case is not as cut and dry or black and white as usual tales are on uh, Evil Men. So let's go forward with that in mind, shall we? Every mm-hmm. source tells the story differently. But the main story goes like this. The official story. Around 3 p.m. on the day of the party, Fatty drove a friend into town. He went to his room to change and saw Rappé on the floor of his bathroom. He picked her up and placed her on the bed and brought her a glass of water. He thought she had just too much to drink, but then she fell out of the bed onto the floor and began moaning and writhing around. He brought her a bucket of ice and put her back in bed. Her cries of anguish brought other partygoers into the room to see what was going on. By the way, uh, just another aside, I love how ice cubes and ice water seem to solve everything back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should all ditch Big Pharma and simply go back to ice cubes? 
They're cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. And they won't put uh, microchips in you and say it's a vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. I not. know. There better not be microchips in these ice cubes. <laughs> Anyways, the party goers go into the room and see Arbuckle holding an ice cube on her stomach, attempting to dull the pain. There's rumors uh, uh, that Fatty pushed an ice cube into her vagina and made a lewd remark. Um, in Buster Keaton's autobiography, and now uh, he claims that as long as a longtime intimate friend of Roscoe, he knew that obscene behavior like that was absolutely beneath him. Buster wanted to testify on his friend's behalf and say this, and also that he was the one who taught Roscoe to hold an ice cube on someone's thigh to see if they're faking being sick. So Buster claims that was a trick that he taught Arbuckle. I'm going to watch out day. with you two if I ever feel sick, and I one of you, I've noticed one of you two holding an ice cube up against my thigh. I, I'm going to know what you're doing, especially if I'm holding the ice cube with my lips. <laughs> but also, I t- I hundred percent take into account that Buster Keaton like owes his career to Arbuckle and is like his best friend in this memoir. So, you know, there's lots of things to keep in mind here. Uh, But yeah, that's an old trick, I guess. Ice was at the center of everyone's attention back then. (laughs) The golden age of ice. (laughs) It's insane. Uh, Everyone thought she was just drunk, but then she screamed, he did this to me. Hmm. Now, this is still all allegedly. The doctors did end up checking Repé for signs of sexual assault and never found any. Either way, Fatty was charged with murder. Wow. Um, I also, okay, here's another probably super potential bias, but I also wanted to say that in Keaton's autobiography, the, the one I mentioned I read, uh, My Wonderful World of Slapstick, Buster mentions in a chapter entitled The Day Laughter Died that Virginia Rappé was known all over Hollywood as a kind of party girl, small bit player in movies, who would do anything for a role. He also mentioned that her and Fatty had been together a few times before, something that I hadn't noticed in any other article about this incident that I've ever read. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He also goes on to say that when she's treated like an innocent angel in the press, everyone that kind of knew her in Hollywood was kind of in shock and almost like laughing because they knew what she was really like. And again, I 100% understand that this could be a good friend sticking up for his buddy in a very unbalanced time of sexism and could be completely biased. But I just wanted to add it because it's from the mouth of someone who was actually there, not at the party, but there on the scene uh, of Hollywood at the time, who was very intimate in Roscoe's circle. Okay? You catch what I'm saying? Okay. Right. But it is it is interesting, though, that like, like we see today, even in something like the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp yes. thing. Where exactly. it's like, oh, they drew, instantly were like dragging this woman's name through the mud to almost yeah. like make it seem like um, what happened to her was inevitable or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's more to the story too. But yeah, I agree. This is before the Me Too movement uh, where we would have a keener eye for, for that kind of slander being uh, used for for purposes like that, like free Johnny Depp or whatever the fuck. Imagine um, the press back then, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, this is like, this is a big part of it, to be honest. San Francisco, there's two enemies of Arbuckle specifically during this 
this time. San Francisco DA Matthew Brady knew that this could be a big career-making maker for him and uh, was determined to obtain a guilty verdict no matter what the truth was. Um, Another mean asshole in this case was, like we were just mentioning, William Randolph Hearst. <gasps> who knew his tabloid papers could leech off the scandal and cause a sensation. It was the first, literally the first big ever Hollywood scandal. This is the first. Right. So it's like first guy to get pied on screen, first big Hollywood scandal. Yeah, I'm Googling him and it literally says Fatty Arbuckle and the birth of the celebrity scandal. Yeah. So this juicy story was too gruesome and sensational to not be blasted all over the headlines. Um, it seems that a lot of historians find that Fatty's career was over right away just by how the media portrayed him. Truth be damned. His name was also instantly being besmirched by the religious right. Uh, these were also people who thought Hollywood was just like this whores Babylon paradise of debauchery and sin, you know? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So there is also that. Um, and there is another uh, right wing thing. Oh, fuck. Sorry, my pages went down. Tucker Carlson uh, would be like, this fatty Arbuckle, <laughs> he's, he's gone too far, and he's coming for your kids. Tucker Carlson <laughs> was like, I told you Americans shouldn't be fatty. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, and like, yeah, what's his name? Bill Maher would be like, it's not okay to be fatty, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but New, was- yeah. Fatty, the Fatty Arbuckle trial uh, was delayed when Fatty tried to eat the gavel. Yeah, he <laughs> Would thought it, be it something was like that. Yeah, you heard about this? He fatty thought it was Arbuckle. A yeah, he thought it was food. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but even tons of Roscoe's fans sent letters to producer Adolf Zucker. Uh, and more angry uh, about Fatty and, and and warning that they better not show any of his films ever again. Now, I am a huge proponent in listening to and believing the victims, of course. But like I said earlier, every time I read about this story, it's different. So I do find this one confusing at best. Hearst's paper uh, created a rumor that Rappé's bladder had ruptured that's another thing. Hearst papers said things that never came up in the trials. It was just like sensationalist. So that also kind of fucks with it. Like right. he, it's actually Hearst papers that started the rumor that her bladder was ruptured because like uh, she was violated. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, trigger warning. Tr- violated by a champagne or Coke bottle. And right. uh, this, this never came up during the uh, trials. Uh, Hearst later bragged that the Arbuckle case sold more papers for him than the sinking of the Lusitania, which you guys know, right? Is the, uh, started world war one. Yeah. Which got America into world or, war one. Not world war one. Yeah. Yeah. Fatty's films were instantly pulled from theaters. Some feature length films that hadn't been released yet were destroyed and therefore <laughs> never seen by the public, which kind of makes me sad to be honest, but you know, I understand. Uh, Fatty was a persona non grata in Hollywood now, and his fame and stardom instantly over. Uh, yeah, reputation destroyed. Be Damn. Smart. So you know he's not he's not cruising like he's he's not sitting pretty like Johnny Depp. It's like Delia, Chris Delia. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. He's not like doing witty, witty rap arte on the on the stand like Johnny Depp was. 
People were afraid that the scandal would bring down the entire film industry back then because Hollywood was still fairly new and no one had seen something like this before. Matthew Brady was starting to realize he didn't have a solid case, though. His star witness was Maude Delmont, whose story changed every time uh, she said it. Remember the uh, stuff I told you about Maude earlier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sexual assault she claimed was not proven after medical examination. She also claimed Arbuckle dragged Rappé into the room, but eyewitnesses were there, say never saw that, and say that he did go into the room after Virginia was already in there. They also found letters of hers that claimed she was planning on extorting Arbuckle for money. Delmont was never asked to testify during the actual trials. The judge still suggested that Arbuckle could have been tried for murder based on a few testimonies from other women who were at the party. These are the women who claim to have heard Rappé say, he did this to me. So Brady wanted Arbuckle to get the death penalty, but the charge was less a demand slaughter, which still would have resulted in a 10-year sentence. So there's the three trials. The death penalty. That's wild. Yeah. Imagine he was innocent and he gets the death penalty. I mean, I'm not discounting like the sadness of what happened to Virginia Rappé. Yeah. You know, we already know there's a million things that are insane about America. So that that was one of them. Um, the first trial began November 14th, 1921. The medical claims were that Rappé's injuries could have been caused by Fatty's body, but also could have been caused by STDs, cystitis, or an abortion. Uh, three women claimed Arbuckle had attacked her. They were the actresses and showgirls Betty Campbell, Alice Blake, and Zay Previn. Arbuckle's defense had found the trial that all three had been intimidated to testify against him by the prosecution. That's the uh, Matthew Brady guy. <clears throat> if they didn't, Brady would hit them with a perjury charge. Uh, this resulted in a deadlock jury 10 to 2 for acquittal. So the case was dimi- dismissed in December 21. A second trial was scheduled for mid-January. This trial went even more in Arbuckle's favor. Um, Zay testified that she never heard Repé say anything, and she was pressured to give false testimony. Now, obviously, we know we're talking about a millionaire celebrity's trial. Giant studios own him. Uh, a lot of money's at stake. So who right. knows who's forcing anybody to do what? Uh, it's so... F- the era back then is so fudgy. And like I said, we hadn't had the scrutinizing of the Me Too movement eyes. Um, the, ev- the defense also showed medical evidence that Rappé suffered from a bladder infection called cystitis, which was aggravated by alcohol. In this trial, though, the defense decided to not have Arbuckle give a testimony and they didn't make a closing statement. So that kind of messed up because the first trial, Fatty's touching testimony swayed some of the jurors. But now they found him not saying anything to seem a bit guilty. So they deadlocked again, 10-2 again, but this time in favor of conviction. Hmm. So isn't this crazy? So the third and final trial was March 13, 1922. This time his attorneys went... In 2020, Carbuckle had been dead for 90 years. (laughs) You're not getting away with this. Um This time, his attorneys went hard and took every shred of evidence in front of the jury and showed them how it was outright false or at best inconclusive. And and also, his 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 lawyers were like, obviously, the best money could buy from Hollywood, too. Um, 
Yeah. They were a little shady as well uh, in that they attacked Virginia Rappé's character, like you were saying, Mike. They accused her of being a wild, promiscuous party girl and had claimed that she did have at least a few back alley abortions before this. So the jury left to deliberate, but came back in five minutes with a verdict, not guilty. And even as I'm writing these facts down, I know this historical proceeding will forever be tinged by the time it took place. And of course, the richest superstar having the best lawyers possible, like I just said. But right. So let's always keep that in mind. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, back in the day, I was kind of still, because I was so influenced by him as a comedian, I was still kind of hoping Woody Allen was innocent because he had these amazing lawyers like discrediting his own fucking daughter and family. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's icky, even though I love Fatty Arbuckle's movies and clearly he made a giant imprint on film comedy and comedy in, in historically, it's still icky to be like, yay, that he's found not guilty because it's a fudgy situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you don't know the real truth. So anyway, yeah, I guess we just don't know. I guess there's not evidence, enough evidence to, yeah. to, to say fatty did it, but certainly bad timing, suspicious timing. Yeah, and and I, I have heard in different sources, not every source I've read is pro-fatty because I genuinely, like I said, I'm a fan of this stuff. So I remember, you know, during the Me Too movement, like 2016, 17, that when it was like exploding, uh, like new articles would kind of come out about it with an angrier believe all victims like slant and right. i obviously read those too and i understand but i still find it a bit like genuinely uh you know crime is difficult you can't you, you can't just say oh i know and it you can't just use your emotions to do it so it's like if if this woman and and the thing that surprised me too was reading in buster keaton's book that like um, they freaking saw each other a few times before this. I'd never read that in any article report about it before. Hmm. So she went Who to, saw each other, the, the woman Rappé and Fatty? Yeah, that's what I said earlier. Like, they, I've only read that in Buster's book, so I don't fucking know. Is there any other suggestion that Fatty was a shithead? No. Like I said, all his life... He was known as like the kindest, sweetest, generous, giving man. But I will say, I'll get to it in a bit, but it doesn't matter. I can tell you now. Yeah, he's fucked after this. His career's fucked. He's dead in the water. Mm -hmm. You know, it's over fucked for him. up the ass. Yeah. Him and Mint were like divorced a, while, a long time ago. But he his second marriage, he got married three th three times total. His second marriage ended up getting divorced too. And let me just double check the Wikipedia because they say here, um, in 1929, Doris Dean sued for divorce from Arbuckle in Los Angeles, charging desertion and cruelty. So that's deep in the throes of Fatty's alcoholism and depression 
And the worst I can find is his second wife charged him with desertion and cruelty for divorce. Now, what that cruelty was, I have no clue. But that's the only other negative thing I can find about him. And is that uh, after this inc- like after this uh, awful incident? Way after. It's like eight years after. Right, right. So let right. me continue with this story, though, because um, this is still happening. Um, yeah, still, no matter what story I've heard or read over the years, I've never heard compelling evidence that he killed her by crushing her bladder with his belly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh, Lord knows, it wasn't knows such I, a tragic tale and a bit mean. It's you know, it's a well, it's quite an image: a big guy crushing might, someone. But it might be personal to me because everybody knows I got up to some hefty weight in the past couple years, few years, yeah. and I have a petite wife, and I could <laughs> I could say, you know, we're a happy yeah. couple. If you catch my drift, and oh, she is still yeah. thankfully breathing to this day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, I got up to 225 pounds in 2021. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't swan dive onto her on the bed or anything, but I definitely <laughs> right. did some. I, I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> she would love this part of the podcast. Right. I guess if you're if you're in a bigger time and you have a petite wife, I guess you have to be careful. Uh, I suppose. So. Obviously, I'm admitting that's a personal bias, and I believe yeah. all victims. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not one of those not all men guys at, by a long shot. I'm a sensitive no. man, but I've been in a belly sex situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, funny that it's like. If all episode were like, wow, why is Chris so impassioned and caught up in this story? Like, what is what is this story? Where's it coming from? His passion about it, and it's because you like don't like the idea of someone getting accused for smushing their girlfriend with their back. Well, when my doctor told me that I had type two diabetes, he said you got to get in shape or else you don't want to fatty arbuckle your wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Okay, I just want to say. Either way the story goes, it's still sad no matter what that Virginia mm. Rappé lost her life. And either way, it could have been prevented if party goers and old-timey idiot doctors took her pains more seriously. Because yes. they were literally just being like, it was the orange blossoms that upset your tummy. That's a crazy thing that she was like confined to the hotel and not taken to a hospital for days. What the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. And I also admit that I don't know everything that goes on behind every drunken celebrity's closed door. Right. But also the idea that fraudster Maude Delmont claimed to want to extort money from Arbuckle has come up in many different right. versions I've read. So I don't know what that's about either. I know from that era. I think she was like, I, I read an article years ago. I think that she was claiming that her and Virginia were going there to set him up. That he R-worded her. Sounds like her last name, Rappé, but you get it. I'm trying to be gentle. Trigger warning, I'm sorry. But I heard that that's how they wanted to blackmail him originally. But also, like, who's fucking writing these stories? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's invested in it? But the thing is, is, how would she still have the ruptured bladder? Hmm. Hmm. But it could be from, like, also, I also believe that 
I, I genuinely believe in the back alleyway abortion thing being insanely dangerous back then. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Like so, she could have yeah. drinking some orange blossoms and then just been like, ow. And like a thing that was there already started happening. And then like, you know, those women claimed they made up saying he did this to me or whatever by the pressure of Matthew Brady. Now let's say Fatty's lawyers forced them to say that with more money, like they paid them off. But mm-hmm. either way, uh, just me being like fucking detective over here, he did this to me. Like, uh, you know, you know, it could have been like the doctor mm-hmm. who didn't the latest abortion on her or something. Like, yeah, it's just too muddy. It's too inconclusive. Unfortunately, it seems to me that it could. You know, it it might be that for definitely. It sounds like she was treated dismissively because she's a woman and maybe accused of being um promiscuous you know promiscuous yeah no, but at I the agree. same time just not enough evidence to say fatty did it it seems so it might just be both things where it's like she was treated badly but also it's hard to 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 pin it on fatty that's what i'm saying I'm not sticking up for him as a as a biased fan of comedy. I'm like genuinely like jo- just to go back to the example trial of today, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard both have tons of evidence piled against them of abusing each other. Mm-hmm. Um and Amber Heard was the one who was clearly yeah, besmirched in the media and treated like shit. And it was really uncomfortable to watch to be honest. It wasn't as funny as Twitter tried to make it seem. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I'm totally open to that too, but it doesn't seem like it genuinely fits with Fatty's character to be so crass and uh, uh, obscene like Buster Keaton uh, said. And yeah, I don't know. Like he he really, him and, him and Al St. John, like him and all those comedian friends, they wanted to go to the trial to give testimonies based on just Fatty's character, but the lawyers thought no because they were already getting tons of backlash locally in San Francisco for being there because they took over the trial for Fatty instead of local San Francisco lawyers. And so there was this whole thing about Hollywood invasion and there was already like a bias against Hollywood in San Francisco. So it's really fucking confusing. Like, obviously, you don't know who's telling what story. Um, but yeah, was, most was of the stories, most of the stories I've ever read are inconclusive and and someone else's opinion. You see what I'm saying? Right. Was, was anyone else say, at this wild party ever like also maybe accused of of doing something, or was it always just him? The that was, only uh, person who was accused of any crimes at this party ever was Maude Delmont, the one who was saying all this shit after right, Virginia right. Rappe died. And she's a right. fraudster, like a uh, blackmailer. Like, yeah, she's actually been busted for that up into her life up until this moment. Right. Okay. So I did hear that, like, I, this one story I read years ago, I'm going by a long distance memory now. That she might have even been like a madam too to women, and uh, so yeah, I think that article, like I said before, she had the idea to go to this party to frame to get money out of this new like mega millionaire. But it's like, right? I don't fucking know. It changes every time I read it. Yeah. So I'll uh, just uh, just a few more beats here. 
Uh, anyways, guys, thanks for this one. Like this one and the Kellogg one, I was genuinely like these are characters that I've been fascinated with for years, anyways. So these have been really fun. Um, By the me. way, I'm just I've just sort of scanned a New Yorker article about it, and it says that um, the the scandal like threatened Hollywood in general because people were worried about the kind of loosening morals post World War One, and this so, represented. Yeah, so I'm about to get there because <clears throat> so what you're saying is like yeah, they studio execs were still really worried. That the lured publicity would cast a shadow over one of its biggest stars, especially since Fatty's films were usually wholesome, family-friendly, like I said. And his character was that of, like, a nice big kid fool, like I said. So, yeah, Mike, you're going to be especially interested in this as another fellow film buff. James, I know you love movies as well, but this happened way before uh, Jack Reacher came out. Um, <laughs> it's kidding. not Reacher. I don't give a shit. <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> Hollywood created the MPA, uh, the Motion Picture Association, to start monitoring their code of ethics to protect how they are perceived and all that. Fatty's films were banned by Motion Picture Industry censor Dun 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 William Hayes. Oh so no! Film buff fans, especially of the golden era know that name as uh, 10 years later, he created the Hayes Code, which made, uh, you know, women's shoulders and ankles disappear from film screens. Yeah, it was like Taliban rules for (laughs) Hollywood films. Like married couples can't be uh, shown sleeping in the same bed or like uh, very prudish. Yeah. Honestly, one of my favorite pre-Hayes Code, and honestly... The the pre Hayes Code like film noir film noirs and films of the time have some crazy sexy stuff like there's like a not maybe it's D W Griffith who did or no no who's the other big big uh, the big guy who did epics like historical DeMille? epics at that yeah Cecil B DeMille did this like Cleopatra with Claudette Colbert that I watched like twenty years ago or something and and she's like Cleopatra's having this big bath and they're consulting with her and you see Claudette Cabert's nipple float out of the water and I was so jazzed I was like are you serious like I'm this ready for black- my I'm ready for my boner Mr. DeMille <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was so blown away by that um wow. yeah but there's a lot of titillating stuff in these early black and white films that are really like one of my favorite pre-Hades movie is the Frederick March starring Jekyll and Hyde and I actually own it and like when when he becomes Hyde obviously it's mostly a meta metaphor for an unhinged psycho sexual beast man you know like the id come loose or whatever and he like is totally uh, uh, obsessed with this like showgirl style lady of the night babe and he's like coming on to her while she's in bed in this like loose revealing nighty and I'm telling you it's one of the fucking sexiest things (laughs) Ever on film, and it's from like the nineteen, like nineteen thirty or something. That's that's crazy that that like pretty intense Hollywood censorship resulted from the Fatty Arbuckle trial that had nothing to do with his on-screen antics. It, it was definitely just started his the ball life. rolling. Yeah. It definitely started the ball rolling. And interestingly enough, I will say because I mentioned the church guys and all that stuff earlier, yeah. William Hayes was also President Harding's campaign manager. 
just before. So people trusted him and looked at him as like a trustworthy politician. And for those of you who don't know, President Harding was Republican, uh, obviously. Um, so there you go. Yeah, it's got that kind of far, like that right wing kind of like fucking paranoia control shit. But anyways, I also wanted to say that after Roscoe was found not guilty and his career and reputation had utterly been destroyed in the tabloids, the jury uh, of the third trial prepared a statement that read... Acquittal is not enough for Roscoe Arbuckle. We feel that a great injustice has been done to him. There was not the slightest proof um, adduced to connect him in any way with the commission of a crime. He was mainly he was he was manly throughout the case and told a straightforward story, which we all believe. We wish him success and hope that American people will take the judgment of fourteen men and women that Roscoe Arbuckle is entirely innocent and free to blame. So I also find that interesting too, is that your testimony uh, during your trial, during that era, uh, kind of boded well for you if it was manly. <laughs> hmm. And also, right. okay, we're talking about a jury that left for five minutes, like they deliberated possibly for five minutes, came mm-hmm. back, said not guilty, and had a prepared speech. So I don't know. Like, it does sound like something crafted by a studio PR person, but you know, it sounds like Mr. Burns's <laughs> lawyers. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And it is wild that even though he was acquitted, he was still toast, right? For years and years, like his whether he's innocent or yeah. guilty. Uh, and I, I, I personally say, I there's still like a fifty fifty chance he could be innocent because that's it's a fucking well, wild party. And you know what's in- yeah, but and you know, know what's interesting I, is like know. I'm not a old movie or silent movie buff at all, but yeah. I've like heard of Fatty Yard Buckle, but not yeah. it's not like I don't have a lot of context to the name. Whereas mm-hmm. I Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and you know, he was sort of erased from the history. Hardy. Yeah, no, that's what I'm is, saying. Like as yeah, someone this like is me, exactly why it's someone that's why like I'm like kind of like this is sad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, someone like me who like isn't just knows it in passing. I had no idea that Fatty Yard Buckle was. Even like an A-list guy, never mind like the most A-list guy, had no clue. Well, also think of it alone, like just separately for a second. Think of the aha moment of William Randolph Hearst and the fucking uh, explosion of salaciousness and tabloids mm. and like the realization of of how lucrative that is. It was the birth of that mm. too. So now you wow. almost wanted Hollywood scandals after that. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like- mm-hmm. Say he is innocent, it's extremely sad because I'm telling you, I got the DVDs before I even like knew this story. I just was like, oh, Fatty Ebrickle, I guess he kind of drifted away while Buster Keaton and his contemporaries like Charlie Chaplin like took off and he kind of whatever, probably like, I just assumed like all of them, he became an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then I discovered the story too. But like when you watch the movies, they're literally fucking groundbreaking. They're literally genius, hilarious. Mm. And they're really mm-hmm. loving and charming and fun. So let's say by chance he is innocent uh, for real. That is a brutal shame of what happened to his legacy. But obviously, if he's guilty, that needs to be considered as well. But it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it was it's crazy. three trials, mm. Hollywood lawyers, Hollywood money mm. uh, found deadlock twice found guilty not guilty this third time can, um there's no conclusive evidence whatsoever of sexual yeah. assault i don't know can but i remember ask, did, like 
a doctor did say, I'm so sorry. I'm like on, this is like, we've like r- touched a button with me for some reason, but yeah, the, but same with the Woody Allen one. Like, cause I was following that at the time too. Cause like I said, like sleeper was one of my all time favorite movies. His, his standup comedy album was like a massive influence on me for years. So, and then the doctor's saying like, there's no evidence of sexual assault or something like that. And then, but in that case, you're kind of like, I don't know, man, that sounds fucked up. That sounds mm-hmm. fudged. And like, there was all these like weird, like only Woody Allen's doctor could do the t- test or something like, so hmm. y- you don't know the truth about yeah. f- over a hundred, like a hundred years ago. You know what I mean? It's, you, it's fucked. Did cause Woody Allen's career still went on for like 20 something years until people were, were finally like, ew, which is crazy. Did the studio. Yeah, it was Ronan Farrow. Yeah. Did they. That's right. Did, did the studio in Fatty Arbuckle's case, as soon as he was acquitted, put him right back on the big screen starring in films? Or was he just like toxic? They just didn't want anything to do with him. No. His, uh, what you said, toxic. Right. He was done. Um, and that's what Britney Spears based the toxic <laughs> song on. Fatty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was... Just a, l- a few more sentences here. Yeah. Well, look what happened to Britney Spears. God damn. She shouldn't have written the song about Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> With the love um, that you put your Fatty Arbuckle. Oh, man. I was going to say a bad thing. But yeah. So in their deal uh, with Keaton, he promised to give him, Buster Keaton promised to give him 35% of the Buster Keaton comedies company profits. I guess this is cause he still like, you know, built his, his success off of the studio that, um, Arbuckle founded. And like I said, Keaton remained an ardent supporter and best bud of his, like all Keaton claims in his book that all of Hollywood was still there for Arbuckle. It's just that public wise, he couldn't mm-hmm. do it. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. But he became a behind-the-scenes film director under the pseudonym William Goodrich, uh, which I think was his dad's first and middle name. But uh, so he directed under films under that pseudonym for uh, Al St. John, uh, Buster Keaton, and uh, and more. And uh, later in the 1932 to 33, after like you know this is like over 10 years now, 10 years after the trial, he finally returned to acting, making short two real comedies in 32 and 33 for Warner Brothers with Al St. John and uh, Shemp Howard, as you guys know, Shemp <laughs> from Three Stooges, and another actor named Lionel Stander. Um, and I've seen clips of these shorts, and he was doing well. He was transitioning into talkies, as they say, better than a lot of the other silent actors. Um, it's funny like, he's doing really good slapstick stuff while delivering his lines really funny as well. But he, he was depressed. He had been beaten down for 10 years. He was having alcoholism. And then Arbuckle died in his sleep of a heart attack in 1933 at age 46. Oh, he missed World War II. Uh, just missed World War II, unfortunately. And Reportedly, he died on the day that he signed a contract with Warner Brothers to make his first feature film, Talkie. Oh, my God. Um, So, yeah, there you go. He died at 46, and uh, that's, 
a year from now for me. <laughs> um, that is, that's a really interesting, the really interesting story. Crazy. So this episode's a doozy. Thanks for letting me go mm. off, guys. No, I still don't really... know where I stand on what happened, but I like covering every opinion. You see what I'm saying? There's two kind of interesting things for me. Like one that's interesting is the two versions of the story. One paints him as a literal monster assaulting a woman. The other paints him as a kind-hearted gentleman ensuring that she's okay. You know, it's like such polar mm-hmm. opposites. There's no yeah. middle ground there. The other thing that I find really interesting is imagining a world where there aren't celebrity scandals and there's not salacious. Like, it's just so crazy that people were suddenly like, oh, whoa, uh, a story about a, you know, potentially horrible sexual, like all this stuff about a celeb, you know? And now that's just, we. I mean, we get that every day. Practically. And you're not right. That, like, not that bad, but... that. Blasting out of nowhere and, and and being so shocking, as we've seen throughout history, you can see the right wing mentality reactionary to new things like scaring them. Like, look how they mm-hmm. react. And then you yeah. get like guys like William Hayes and, and the religious right, like, you know, chastising all of Hollywood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Man, very interesting. Oh, boy. Because every time there's a scandal now, you always see tons of right wing people on Twitter being like, they're pedophiles. Oh, yeah. They're drinking the blood of children. And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some people just got drunk and acted weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> I read uh, as well that um, Chris Farley was slated to play Fatty Arbuckle in a movie, but uh, passed away before he could. Whoa. Damn. Yeah. I definitely like believe that the tabloids were... Um, were very instrumental in painting the picture of him as a monster. Um, because a lot of the, uh, the slander that they said about him wasn't used in any of the trials. Uh, and you feel like someone like Matthew Brady, the DA in San Francisco would like bring that up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you've got this like guy who's like my career making case. I'm going to convict fatty Arbuckle no matter what. And he's not saying any of the salacious rumors that the tabloid rep- reported on. Right. See what I'm saying? So I, yeah, I really do think that's surprising. like, yeah. I think media fucked him. It's like one of those cases where media fucked you before you could go to trial as well. Hmm. And it was also like a new version of that. But it does sound like I'm saying he's innocent. Oh, fuck. I got to say, I don't know. Well, I mean, is it time to bring out the evil Oh, Look at him. He's um, he's wearing a little extra padding, and he <laughs> is oh, he just fell off the stage <laughs> into the orchestra pit. It's <laughs> a tough one for Mike. Uh, and he has a he has a San Francisco or bust shirt on, which I don't think is very <laughs> is very appropriate. Anyway, bad evilometer, badly evilometer. Hmm. Well, who's going first on this one? I mean, I guess I can. James, I'd love to hear what you think. I mean, this is an impossible situation. On one hand, yeah, it's either it's if you if it's you black sort of, or white, and if you say he didn't do it, you feel a bit like, well, what am I doing here? I'm not believing these claims. It makes you see, feel like kind of a asshole. But on the other hand, it doesn't it doesn't seem that most felt there was enough evidence to 
to really wholeheartedly say he did it. Mm. So this is a real tough one. I mean, what can you what can you give the guy? I, <laughs> I guess respectfully, I'm pending further evidence. <laughs> if it is to come out, I guess I'll give him a fucking one. I don't know. <laughs> pending further evidence. If new evidence comes to light. I will change my score, but pending yeah. further evidence, I see no no option other than to give a one. Right. Um, it's weird for the, for me. I only from the time I was like I can remember, I just heard that the lore that like Fatty Arbuckle had murdered a woman. Like that's the way I first heard of him almost because yeah, he he was never included in those. Uh, whenever you'd see like a Chaplin or a Buster Keaton or Harold Lloyd sort of thing on PBS or whatever, they never really included <laughs> Fatty Arbuckle. He was erased off the face of the earth. I just knew him as a villain. So it's hard also to know from something that happened over a hundred years ago, maybe, or a hundred years ago. Um, but but I just think all actors are evil. And so I'm going to give him an 8.3. Mike, if you got a time machine... Would you kill baby Hitler or would you go and see what the hell Fatty Arbuckle was up to? I'd go to San Francisco and go to that party and have some orange blossoms myself and just keep a lookout. And then you get drunk on orange blossoms and forget to yeah. <laughs> to check. And you go, oh no, I only had one time travel trip. <laughs> this is so hard. I know I sounded completely biased, even though I've been trying not to. But like, I 100% can see two things happening that would still happen to this day. One is you use your celebrity and your big studio money to pay off jurors and stuff to get your, to have them not guilty and save your big star. Uh, and, and two that, you still preserve the legend of the star uh, as a kind person. But I also like know that you can't, we don't really like just because Buster Keaton said he was above all that and the <laughs> nicest guy. I fucking like have so much respect for Buster Keaton as a comedian, mm. but it's like, I have no fucking clue, man. These guys could have been yeah. savage. They're like a guy who was bullied all his life, picked on, becomes like this yeah. millionaire, like literally like into his 30s, like drinking, like partying, like it was an alcoholic. He totally um, a million times, yes, could have treated women like shit. And yeah. sometimes being teased for your weight can turn you into a bad guy. Just look at Earthquake, Tugboat and Yokozuna. And maybe yeah. some other comedians that have been on TV late night quite often. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. Francis in Pee Wee's Big Adventure as well. That guy was a nasty piece of work. Let's say, I would say this. This is what sounds more plausible out of all the different things I've read myself. I would say that Virginia Rappe's reputation may have actually been close to like what we have heard described. And she may have had a bladder inf uh, infection or, or difficulty, a ruptured bladder from maybe an abortion or maybe from some other kind of disease. And she may have not been doing it justice by chugging back glasses of OJ and gin. You know what I'm saying? But 
it, that could be true as well as Fatty Argabuckle could have seen her on the bed and jumped on her and gone, cannonball! (laughs) And fucking smashed into her. Or whatever. And treated her like shit and like put her her bladder or whatever the illness was Mm -hmm. into overdrive. And then she died fucking days later. Like, And he probably could have had sex with her aggressively. Like, we don't know. Like, why not? Yeah, we don't know. So, Mm -hmm. it's fucking... I'm going... I'm going five right now to keep it Mm. safe. I almost did that too. I almost did a five too. It's hard to know. It's a tough one. This is like a super long, meaty episode, but thank you so much, guys. No, it's fun, you know. For letting me do this. It was very fun. It was interesting. Also, I I didn't know about the the details. Yeah. I did bring up Earthquake. We lost a lot of. well, I brought up Earthquake earlier, and I remember there was a storyline in maybe 1990 where Earthquake sat on Hulk Hogan and crushed him and almost killed him. And part of me is like, did they base that on Fatty Arbuckle? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I've seen Earthquake on Dark Side of the Ring. It's quite an Earthquake was acquitted, but he still never wrestled again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He just yeah. directed wrestling matches as a, <laughs> because some people a say earthquake. <laughs> some people say earthquake was actually just tending to Hulk Hogan with ice cubes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know earthquake. He would never put uh, an ice cube into uh, Hulk Hogan's vagina. Jesus Christ! What a what a so, story though. Like a beloved yeah. entertainer. Probably children loved him and simpletons who were adults. And then this awful thing to happen, like. Um, just, just <laughs> awful, awful story. But uh, well done, Chris. <laughs> Chris, yes, th- not this bad pro- for a simpleton adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about I mean, guys in Sullivan's travels uh, who are just like <laughs> laughing at like cartoons, Mickey uh, Mouse. Yeah, we'll see um, how Mike edits this puppy. But there's a chance this is going to be our longest main feed episode ever. I we, think we like, really interesting. I think the pa- fact that we're uh, three comedians and this is like uh, a fascinating story about like, you know, a groundbreaking comedian from the vaudeville into the uh, early mm-hmm. days of silent film. Like, I think it's mm. pretty exciting for me to even just talk about. So I, even if some parts were just info and not laughs, like, I'm glad to get it out there. Mm. For sure. Thanks. Cool. For- um, it was another great episode of This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 